Glad you're here. Glad you're with us. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the leaders here um, at Ethos, and uh, so honored that you're with us. Uh, just one thing, kind of right off the bat, uh, we want you to know is just no matter who you are, um, no matter what your story is, uh, no matter whether you come in here full of questions or you come in here full of faith, like we're glad you're here. Uh, we honored, we're honored that you're, you're with us this morning. Um, but this morning, we're gonna continue, um, continue in the series that we've been in. We're gonna be in Luke chapter 10. Uh, so if you have a Bible, Luke chapter 10 is where we're gonna be this morning. Uh, and the past few weeks, just to catch us up, uh, we've been in this series um, entitled Alive, uh, Embracing Resurrection Life Now. Alive, Embracing Resurrection Life Now. And so we've been looking at the life of Jesus specifically both the moments before and after his resurrection. And so we arrived at this moment last week. If you were here, if you were with us, uh, we celebrated Easter Sunday last week. And so we arrived at this moment last week. It was just an awesome time of celebration where we just proclaim that, that Jesus is alive. Um, we proclaim that Jesus is alive and he is well. He is with us. And so we looked at, hey, the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, he came down to this earth. He lived amongst us. He died on the cross for us, for our sins. But, this is, this is what we looked at last week, but death did not get the final word on Jesus' life. Death did not get the final word. And so Jesus, three days later, he rose, he rose from the grave and he left a tomb that was and is still empty. And for those of us that are followers of Jesus, this now is our reality. Uh, this, is, this is the truth in our lives that death no longer has the final word in our lives because one day we know we're gonna be with God forever in eternity. Our future is secure. We have we have this hope that we celebrated last week, but, but our hope is not just a future hope, right? But it's a present hope. It's, it's a present reality, even though we don't necessarily live this way sometimes. But because Jesus is alive, we proclaimed that last week, because Jesus is alive and he's well and he's working, he's working right now. And we, as followers of Jesus, are enabled not only to celebrate the resurrection, but we're able to embrace the resurrection right here and right now. And so something changed on that Easter Sunday. Something, like something changed. Something changed. It tells us that the curtain was torn. The curtain was torn and, and God began to just fill his breath in the earth in new ways. And so if you look at the story of scripture and you study the story of God, you begin to realize, hey, things were different. Like what we celebrated last week means that things were different from that moment forward. And so when you begin to look at the followers of Jesus post-resurrection, their lives were drastically different. Things had just, things had changed. And that reality is both true then and that reality is still true today. So things changed after the resurrection. Things changed after an encounter with the risen Lord. But how did they change? Like what, what changed? And in the same ways that I think 
changed for them, it's true that they changed for us as well when we have an encounter with Jesus, when we have an encounter with the risen Lord. So you go back and you look at the scripture, you look at the end of Luke where we were last week, and then you begin to look at the next book, the next part of the story in Acts, and you see that they were just people filled with the Holy Spirit, people just filled with the Spirit of God. And at the end of Luke, it says they were moved to place of deep worship. So Jesus ascended back into heaven. They were moved to just places of deep, deep worship. They begin to experience a joy that they had never experienced before after the resurrection. And you had people like Peter. If you, if you go back and you look at the story of Peter, he became very cowardly. He became very fearful. So Peter, marked by fear, then became this man marked by a deep, deep faith, the rock in which the church was built on after an encounter with the risen Lord. And so this community, the followers of Jesus, the disciples of Christ at that time, they begin uh, to find just this deep purpose. They can be marked by this like found deep, deep power, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead they know now lives in them. And what you start to see is this community that's forming as well, this community, and it describes this just beautiful community that, that God created us for. And it says that people daily were being added to this community of believers. And it's amazing because what was happening 2,000 years ago after the resurrection is still happening today. And so I've noticed in you, I've just noticed in our church family, people who are filled with the Spirit, uh, people who are marked by the presence of God uh, in your life, I've seen many of you move from places of fear uh, to places of deep faith. I know your stories personally where the reality of the resurrection has gotten a hold of you. I've seen just beautiful community form. I think about the house churches in this church family and I'm like, this, this is what it looks like to love each other. This is what it looks like to be a beacon of light to the people around us. So we don't wanna be a people who just simply celebrate the resurrection, right? We don't wanna be a people who simply just look on Easter Sunday, celebrate the resurrection, celebrate the risen King, but not allow it to actually transform the ways that we, we begin to live. And so we need the reality of Easter Sunday last week to change the way that we view our world, to change the way that we see our world. We can't just celebrate it. It actually has to transform who we are. It's got to change the way that we view our city. It's got to change the way that we view our workplaces. It's got to change the way that we see our neighborhoods. And it's got to change the way that we see, see our neighbors. And so this week, we're, we're going to talk about just one, one aspect of this resurrection life. Just one small aspect of resurrection life, because there's, there's honestly a lot that we could talk about. Um, but today, uh, we're gonna talk about what it means to be a people identified by our love, to be a people who are marked by our, our love, known by our love for, for, for the world around us, for the city around us. And boiling it down even more simpler, you know, we can love in a lot of different ways, but what it looks like for us to love our neighbor what it looks like for us to love our neighbor. Which brings us to the story today, Luke 10. 
Luke 10 is where we're gonna be. So we're gonna start in verse 25. I'm gonna read all the way through um, the story through verse 37. So hang with me here. And so over and over again, uh, if you look at Jesus's earthly ministry, before we dive right in, Jesus was constantly asked this question. Okay, Jesus, you know, he taught a lot of different things. Old Testament law, he taught everything. They always ask, okay, what's most important? Like, what is the most important thing, Jesus? Like, if you could boil it down to, to, to one thing, Jesus, one, one, one rule to follow, one command to follow, what would it be? And this is the way that he always answered. Verse 25, it says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this expert of the law is not like we view like lawyers today. This is not like a civil law expert. This is a biblical law expert. So this person was an expert in biblical law. And so Jesus, he responds, he says, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And Jesus, you know, master teacher, like if you've ever had a great teacher, you know, they're gonna answer your question with another question. Like a great teacher is just gonna say, okay, I'm actually gonna help you find the truth on your own. I'm just gonna continue asking questions until you begin to figure it out. And that's what Jesus is doing here. So the teacher of the law, he, he knows, and this is how he responds. Verse 27, he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, with all of your strength and with all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus, he says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who, who is my neighbor? And so he couldn't just stop there. He got the answer from Jesus. You know, Jesus just laid it out there for him. But this guy, what he's wanting to do is making sure that he can, on his own, make sure that he's right with God. He's like, okay, I know the two rules that I need to follow. Now that I know the two rules, I need to break down those rules a little bit. Now, Jesus, okay, you said love my neighbor. Who, who exactly are you talking about? Like, just so I can make sure I'm, I'm, I'm following the rules to be right with God. Like, tell me who my neighbor is. And Jesus, once again, he doesn't give him a straight answer. This time it's not a question, but he begins to tell this story. And I love this story. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem. We're in verse 30. Man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped off his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three, Jesus asked, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, there are some things in this story that, that we don't understand simply because of just the historical context of this story. So there's not Levites and Samaritans like hanging out uh, here in Nashville. You probably don't have a lot of Levite or Samaritan uh, friends. So I wanna just kind of contextualize the story here for just a quick moment. So we can just find ourselves 
hearing this story a little bit like they would have been hearing the story when Jesus first told it. So the, the people hearing this would have been completely surprised that both the priest and the Levite walked by this man in need. Um, and in fact, the priests and the Levites were the ones who actually gave alms to the poor. If you've ever heard that phrase, they, they were the ones who distributed wealth to the poor. They were the ones who were known for helping people in need. And they would have been absolutely shocked to hear that a Samaritan man was the one that actually stopped and helped. So this would be like us in our context, not, not exactly, but you know, a pastor walks by the man in need, um, walks by the man in need, passes by on the other side. A, a social worker comes by, this, this is their job, this is what they do. A social worker walks by, passes the person. The third person walks by, it's an ISIS soldier, and an ISIS soldier stops and actually helps the person in need. Now it's not exactly the same, but that's the kind of shock that they would have, that they would have felt when they heard this story. They wouldn't have believed it. And I don't know if you pick up on what Jesus is doing here, and he, he's so good at doing this, but he's changing the way that we see things. He's beginning to change the way that we view our neighbors, and he's kind of letting us in on the fact that, hey, our, your neighbor, our neighbor, my neighbor, maybe not be exactly who we, who we thought, uh, thought it might be. It, it may be the person that you, that you least expect. So this is an incredible story, incredible moment here from Jesus, and I wish we could just dive into this. Um, hopefully we can come back to it and look at like all the parables of Jesus. That would be fun. Um, but today, I just want to simplify it. I want to look at one question that Jesus answers, and it's the question that he answers uh, to the expert in the law, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And that's the question that we're going to answer today. And I think you see Jesus, he answers this question in two different ways. Two different ways, kind of looking at it through two different lenses. Uh, the first one is just simply whoever is in your path. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? It is the person in my path. So the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, they maybe would not have defined that person they came across in the path as their neighbor. But Jesus is kind of redefining for us who, who our neighbor is in this moment. Um, so, so our neighbor is not just the person who literally lives next door to us. Our neighbor is that person next to us in the line at Walmart. It's the barista that always makes your coffee. It's your server at Burger Up. It's that neighbor that comes over and talks to you for way longer than you ever wanted them to talk to you. It's the person that's in your path. It's the person in your path. And Jesus, he also shows us kind of the second aspect of who a neighbor is. It's the person who shows mercy. So is it, one, it's the person in your path. Two, it's the one who shows mercy. Keeps it pretty simple. The one who extends help to someone in need. The one who shows love to someone who needs love. The one who, who just simply helps their fellow human being in need is your neighbor. And I love this because Sometimes you're the neighbor. Sometimes you're, you're the one uh, that, that needs an extension of mercy. Sometimes you're the one uh, that, that needs love. And then sometimes you're the neighbor that's extending mercy. Um, and it's a two-way street. And we have to know this. We have to remember this. In the kingdom of God, being a neighbor is a two-way street. And I love how Jesus ends this parable. Um, I'm a type A personality. I like things just like 
defined for me. I don't like any gray areas. And so when Jesus lays it out, he says, hey, this is how it is. I always love it. And so this is what Jesus says. He says, go and do likewise. Like pretty simple, like pretty simple. Go and do likewise. Now, it's one thing to, to, to know what you need to do, right? It's one thing to know what you need to do. And it's another thing to actually go and live it. Because let's be real with each other. Like in some ways, this in and of itself is Christianity 101. Like we, we say it each and every week here um, as a church family. If you, for your first time with us, our mission is to love God, love people and awaken a movement. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. And so, okay, like we know what we need to do, right? We know what we need to do. And yet, and yet, sure, we live into it at moments. And yet there's, there's, there's this barrier. You know, you talk about loving your neighbor. You talk about loving the people around you. And there's this, there's this, there's this barrier, this thing that holds you back. And now I want to speak into just three of these tensions really quick. Some of you have felt them before. Uh, when you think about what it looks like, uh, what it looks like to love your neighbor. But the reality is, if we truly wanna be a church that has encountered the resurrected Lord, a church who is light, a church that actually lives out love, we have to start putting this and continuing to put this into practice. And so these three tensions I just kind of wanna speak into. When it, comes to just loving our neighbors, when it comes to just loving the people in our past. The first might be that you don't know where to begin and you find yourselves, every time this kind of comes up, you're thinking, I, I don't know where to begin. Like, am I supposed to go and find somebody to serve? Am, am I supposed to like conjure up this, this service project? And I love how Jesus just speaks into this tension so simply. When he answers the question, who's my neighbor? He says, okay, it's, it's the people in your path. It's the people in your path and the people who show mercy. It's not complicated. And we're actually gonna to begin to walk through this practically here in just a minute uh, with, with what's on your seat. We're gonna to begin to answer this question together. Okay, who, who is my neighbor? Like, who are the people in my path? But I wanna talk about the second tension real quick. The second tension I think we feel sometimes is time. So when you think about loving your neighbor, when you think about loving someone in your path, when you think about loving someone in your life, you just immediately start to think, okay, no way. Like, I don't have time for anything or anybody new. Like, there's, there's just no way I can do it. And I wanna speak into this just a couple of different ways. There's a reason I think Jesus tells us, reveals to us that it's the people in our path, the people that we are already coming across, this isn't saying, hey, I need you to go somewhere new, do something new. But this is simply viewing the people who are already in your path, already in your sphere, and just viewing them through a different lens. Just seeing people through the lens of Jesus rather than the lens of your schedule. So this is not, hey, we're, we're, we're gonna be adding a lot more to our life. This is no, we're gonna continue living our life and viewing life just a little bit differently and the people in our life. But some of you are like, okay, yeah, I can do that. But still, like, when I think about it, I don't have time. Like, I don't have time to love the people around me. And the reality is, 
you may need to cut some things out of your life. If you don't have time to love the people and be present with the people around you, something's just gonna have to shift. Something's just gonna have to change. And I wish we could dive into what, what that looks like. But the reality is, if you think about this and you think, I don't have time, something, something in your life is gonna have to shift and change. The third tension, and one that I think overwhelms me quite often is fear. Fear. And we have to address this third tension of fear. Because in some shape or form, when we talk about loving our neighbor, when we talk about living out this mission that Christ has given us, I think fear kind of gets in the way all too often. Have you ever had those feelings before when you, when you think about stepping out, when you think about just going a little bit deeper in a relationship you have, saying that thing or meeting that neighbor or talking to that coworker like that? And you're just like, there's just something that gets in the way each and every time. And I think it boils down to this, to this fear. And all of our fears are a little bit different. But I don't know if you ever moved in middle school. It's that, that feeling when you walk into the cafeteria for the first time after you've moved and you're in the cafeteria and you're like, okay, I don't know anybody. <laughs> I can either sit down with people and make new friends or I can kind of find the seat by myself over to the, to the corner and kind of be alone and isolate ourselves. It's fear of the unknown. It's fear of the awkwardness. Like it's just a reality that I think we all face, and I give that middle school example, but I think that's a real fear for, for us when we think about forming relationships with the people around us. And so I just want to name it. The fear will come. The fear will come. Like We're, we're going to face it. We're going to probably face it when we leave here, and we have to keep coming back to the reality of what we celebrated last, last week, the reality of Easter, that Jesus rose, and then it's not us, but it's Christ with us. And do you remember what Jesus said over and over and over again? Over and over again, he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. The fear will come, but we have to speak that fear out loud. I was talking with Andrew earlier and he was just sharing something and he was just naming the fear out loud. And I said, there's so much power in just naming the fear out loud. Because when you name that fear, you bring that fear into the light. And when you bring that fear into the light, that's when Jesus takes that fear from you, takes that weight from you. And so we have to remember Jesus rose from the grave and that same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. And I think that's why he tells us, do not fear. And I wanna go back to that first tension and we're gonna begin to get a little bit practical uh, here for just a moment. Go back to that first tension of kind of answering the question, okay, who? Who's my neighbor? Who, who are the people in my path? And this is where I wanna get really practical together as a, as a church family. On your seat is this booklet. I wanna invite you to just grab this booklet. Don't open it quite yet. Don't open it quite yet. Um, but grab this booklet. So something we've done as a church family um, just kind of become a rhythm for us, uh, a, way of, a way of celebrating the resurrection is We'll celebrate Easter Sunday. Some of you are looking. I told you not to look. I mean, come on, guys, don't get ahead. Um, so we celebrate Easter Sunday, and then we want to actually live into the resurrection story. We don't want to be people who just celebrate it. And so over the years, this Sunday, we've actually canceled our gatherings altogether. Like if you remember years past, if you've been with us, we haven't met on the Sunday following Easter. We've served our city. We've invited you to do this on your own, invite people over. 
to have a meal in your house. And this year we're actually tweaking it even a little bit more. And we're like, we, we wanna be people who continue to live into this. We wanna be a church who continues to actually live out the resurrection. But we don't want it to be just a one-time thing. We wanna give you all the resources and the tools to allow this to be something that changes the way you live, not just on one Sunday, but for the next month, for the next year. And so I'm gonna invite you to use this and hold on to this for a long time. And this is gonna be something that we continue to come back to um, as a church family. But I wanna kind of describe what it is and what Love Your Neighbor Sunday is gonna look like for us as a church family. So throw that first slide up for me, if you will. Um, so I'm actually gonna invite you to take out a pen on your seat right now and write your name on the front of this mainly because I don't wanna to have to pick up a bunch of booklets after this is over. And so if it has your name on it, it's like, it's yours. You have to take it with you. So go ahead and write your name on the front. You can write the date if you want, or you can just leave it ambiguous for the future. And so on this next page, on the first page, you're gonna see it says, start here. Uh, this is where we want you to begin every time that you open this uh, Love Your Neighbor guide up. And so basically what it says is what we've been talking about. Um, it says, hey, the people in your path are the people that we're gonna invite you to love. But we don't want you to just start this. We don't want you to just go through this guide without the presence of God with you. And so when it says, let's get started, you'll see it's simply just inviting you to pray. Each and every time that you open up this guide, each and every time that you begin to take a step towards loving your neighbor, you're gonna begin with prayer be a short prayer, it can be a breath prayer, but this is something that we do with, with God. All right, I'm gonna invite you to turn to uh, page two with me. Next slide. And this begins to answer the question that we've been asking uh, this morning. Okay, who is my neighbor? Like, who is your neighbor? And what we've done is we've kind of sectioned it out into three sections. It is the people that live near you, the people who work near you, and the people who play near you. And so here in just a moment, this is, how we're gonna, uh, this is how we're gonna begin this booklet together. We're gonna start it together here this morning. As you begin to answer this question on page three, you're gonna actually begin to write the names down of the people who live near you, the people who work near you, and the people who, who play near you. So the gym or the yoga place or the park that you go to or the community center that you're a part of, the places you live, the places you work, and the places you play. And this is the first step, just identifying, okay, who are the people in my path? And then this can be really overwhelming, right? So you've got all these lists of names, but we're actually just gonna invite you to choose one person. You're gonna write out all these names and we're just gonna invite you to choose one person. Choose one person from that list. Maybe somebody that was maybe highlighted to you, somebody that really stood out. Maybe God was kind of like drawing you to that person. And then we're gonna invite you to kind of go on this adventure with us. So you see at the bottom of page three, it's like those cool adventure books. It was Goosebumps for me. Goosebumps, it was like choose your own ending. I love those. And so you're gonna kind of choose your own adventure. If it was someone, um, choose one person. If it's someone who lives near you, you're gonna to go to page seven. Works near you, page 11, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'm actually gonna invite you to turn to page six with me. And the next slide, please. And so we, we won't get to this today, but this is gonna be, what we do together this week is we're gonna go through this together as a church family in the comfort of our own homes or dorm rooms or wherever you're at um, and begin to ask these questions. 
begin to ask these questions because I think so often, okay, now I know who, but it's the what. Okay, I, I know who I'm called to love, but I don't even know how to begin loving them. Like, how, how is it that I'm, I'm gonna serve them? How is it that I'm gonna be loved to them? And so a team um, from our team put together um, this guide and it's basically just questions to help get the creative juices flowing. Uh, the reality is there are things on here that uh, we listed that won't apply to you. And then there's gonna be some things in your neighborhood or your spheres, your circles, uh, wherever you work, play and live, uh, that you have ideas maybe that you wanna do that aren't on here. And we actually wanna hear those ideas from you. So if you see on um, page nine, we kind of ask the question, what are your ideas? Um, and then on the very back page, page, page 16, we'd love to know, very, very last page, we'd love to know what ideas you have. We'd love to know what, what you're actually doing. We'd love to know how this, how this guide is helping you to, to love your neighbors. And so we wanna actually get started this morning. And I'm gonna pray for us because we never wanna begin this without prayer. And then I'm gonna invite you, Dale's gonna come up and he's just gonna kind of play some music in the background. And we're just gonna begin listing the people who live near us, who work near us, uh, who, who we interact with um, just on a play level, whether it's at the library or a favorite restaurant or a gym. This is all so different for each of us. And so we're actually gonna begin by doing this right now. And so if you don't have a pen, holler at me. There's some pens up here. Um, but I wanna invite you to open up to page three right now in this very moment. And we're gonna begin stepping into this together as a church family. So take just a few minutes. Um, I'll give you four or five minutes to start, start list, listing off the people um, near you. And yeah, I'll get back up and I'll send us to communion, kind of our next part of what we're gonna be doing. So take just a moment, uh, Dale's gonna play and uh, begin to list and start, uh, start this guide together. So the reality is, um, for some of you, this may have been really, really easy uh, to do. You're just naming, naming names left and right. Uh, for some of you, this is kind of a difficult activity and you're realizing, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't really know the, the, the people around me quite as well as I thought I did. Um, some of you are already thinking, oh yeah, I'm, I'm really living intentionally um, with the people in my path. And some of you are realizing, oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really living intentionally at all. I'm not, I'm not loving the people in my path all that well. But what I love in our walk with Jesus is that we're all starting in different places. And so wherever you found yourself, um, as you were kind of beginning this, uh, this journey of loving your neighbor, um, it's 100% and perfectly okay. Like whether your first step is just like getting up and knocking on the door um, at an appropriate time, uh, not in the middle of the night and actually meeting your neighbors, like that's a great first step for you this week. You're gonna go next door. You're gonna go to the dorm room, a few halls down. Uh, you're gonna go in your apartment complex and you're actually gonna meet your neighbors for the very first time, which is awesome. For some of you, you're gonna read through these questions that we have and you're gonna think about um, this family down the street that um, just had a baby and you're gonna think of a way that you can just bless that family. And this, is, this is not something that we're, we're just gonna do once 
and be, be done with it. Uh, this is something that we together as a church family are, are gonna commit to. Um, and I really believe by the power of the Spirit and name of Jesus, um, relationships are gonna begin to form. Because the idea is not just to, to serve once and leave, but the idea is these small things, these small acts of obedience, these small acts of service are actually gonna begin to form relationships with the people around you. And as those relationships begin to form, we really believe that Christ is gonna do his best work in the midst of those relationships. And so I wanna invite you, we're gonna take communion together. And the reason we're taking communion right now is to remember uh, who it is that we're going behind, who it is that we're going with, who it is that lives inside of us, and that's Jesus. And so this is not something that we're gonna do at, as ethos, like, uh, kind of, you know. But this is something that we're doing in the name of Jesus, with Jesus, for Jesus. And so this is, this is our reminder each and every week. Uh, we, we get up and we take the bread and we take the juice. And especially this week, as, as we leave this week, as we open up this guide, this is not something we are doing, but this is something that Christ is doing through us. And so as, as you take communion, I wanna invite you just to answer, answer a couple simple questions. That first question is, hey, as you think about this, as you started kind of working through this, what are you fearful of? Like, well, what to you brings, brings up fear? And then I wanna invite you to just name it and then pray, pray for that person. Name it and pray for it. I believe when we name it and we bring it into the light, uh, Jesus does his best work. And then I wanna I just invite you to share with the people around you, hey, what's your next step? Like, who's the person you thought of? What's the idea you thought of? And for some of you, you, you may say, hey, my next step is meeting my neighbors. Like, that's awesome. That's a great place to start. And so we go and we take this bread and this cup as a reminder of who, who it is that we go with, and that's Christ. And so I wanna invite you to stand up together. We're gonna to go to the communion tables. I wanna invite you to gather around with the people you came with, um, with the people you're sitting around. You can come back, you can circle up your chairs. And then I wanna invite you to share, what are you fearful of and what's your next step? Um, and then just spend some time praying. Uh, but let's go uh, together, take communion. I love you all so much.